2: And welcome to The Water Cooler, everybody. Thanks for being here. I'm David Brody. It's Tuesday, June 8th, 2021. We begin with Kamala Harris. The VP is south of the border dealing with the immigration crisis, and maybe it's appropriate that she's south of the border because her trip down there to Guatemala and Mexico has gone south ever since she landed. Now today, a new interview with NBC's Lester Holt, where she can and she has this cringe-worthy answer about why she hasn't been to the actual border, considering she's tasked with solving the immigration crisis in America. Have a look. Just quickly, put a button. Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border
3: I, at some point? You know, I, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border—we've been to the border. We've been to the border.
2: You haven't been to the border.
3: Uh, and I haven't
2: been to Europe. And I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. <laughs> I haven't been to Europe. That's a disastrous answer. Boy, Volt. I thought it couldn't get any worse. Now, because this, remember, this is coming off remarks Monday, where she told that those thinking of crossing illegally into America, she told them not to come. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. Do not come. Do not come. Wait a minute. Is this a Kamala, is this a Kamala Harris imposter because she tweeted out in the past how everyone is welcome here. Anyhow, look at, we have some exclusive footage we got of Kamala Harris. There she is. Uh, she's giving uh, that face, look at that face, right after those comments. Okay, we're just kidding around, but, uh, you know, that's the face, because, folks, we all know the real deal uh, with all of this. You can't uh, see, uh, you can't say, basically, that you're for illegal immigration, then all of a sudden say, don't come. It doesn't work that way. All right. On the show today, also, Trump and evangelicals. How is the relationship post-January 6th? We're going to talk to Ralph Reed with the Faith and Freedom Coalition. And the pro-life movement is not happy with the fact that Biden has not included some very important pro-life language in his new budget request. We will explore that, too. But first... To our newsmaker, back with us on the program, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Congresswoman, great to have you on the show again.
0: Hi, David. I'm really happy to be here with you.
2: Well, I want to start with immigration. Uh, By the way, AOC, uh, as you might imagine, isn't happy with Kamala. Uh, She says this is disappointing to see. She's tweeting that out because seeking asylum at any U.S. border is 100% legal. So I want to get your thoughts on Kamala and the southern uh, tour that she's on.
0: Oh, well, Kamala Harris, the vice president, who's supposed to be the border czar, who has never visited the United States border as vice president of the United States, it's a complete embarrassment and a failure. You know, as lawmakers, we we take an oath to defend the Constitution and uphold the laws. And you see Kamala Harris and Joe Biden completely failing on their face when it comes to upholding the laws at our southern border. And so for her to go down to Guatemala, that was actually pretty much a slap in the face for every American citizen and taxpayer down there telling people do not come when we know that's with a wink and a nod because Joe Biden and Kamala Harris invited them all to come to our border and invade our country while they have completely demoralized law enforcement in our country and they've made it to where ICE can't even arrest and deport people they were at 9,000 a month, and now under the Joe Biden administration, it's one to two every month. And so it's it's terrible what the Biden administration has done, and it's a complete embarrassment how Kamala Harris is behaving, not doing her job, not upholding our constitution, and not upholding our laws.
2: Well, let's move on from Kamala Harris. I don't know who's worse, Kamala Harris or, or Anthony Fauci. Uh, you've got a Fire Fauci Act. Uh, that you introduce as a bill to oust uh, America's top doctor, as he's called. Uh, tell us about it, and what do you ultimately want to see happen beyond firing Fauci? He's got a lot of explaining to do from a legal perspective.
0: Yes, absolutely, David. I was one of the first ones to call to fire Fauci, um, and I'm so thankful to you and many others who have been calling out, as, as the truth should be told, that Fauci is responsible for this. We know that he sent the funding over to the Wuhan lab, uh, my Fire Fauci Act takes his his salary down to zero and it calls for an investigation into the virus and into the origins and the funding that went to it. And so I'm thankful for my co-sponsors. And I also want to say any Republican you see on television or on social media saying to fire Fauci, then they should be co-sponsoring this very important piece of legislation that will, in fact, do that. And so um, this is an important thing. Our country and the entire world has suffered from COVID-19. But to actually come to terms with the fact that American tax dollars were used to create COVID-19, this is something right out of a Dr. Franken- Frankenstein movie uh, that shouldn't exist. Uh, it sounds much like a bioweapon. It's my personal belief that viruses should not be changed to where that uh, they can rapidly Um, Be transmitted through the human population and kill people and Mm -hmm. I think that's irresponsible science and we need to find out who did it and And we need to hold everyone accountable for it
2: We've had others on the show before who have said about what happened in that Wuhan lab whether or not uh, This was gain-of-function research or potentially even something where it was uh, like purposely engineered so so no one quite knows what happened in that lab
0: That's why we need to investigate it and we need to hold everyone accountable. Uh, China knows and they should be held accountable as well. They allowed millions of people to travel from Wuhan all over their country and then all over the world. And this virus spread everywhere and and many people have died as a result and our economy has suffered. Children have been forced to stay home from school. Businesses have closed. Uh, People have lost their lives for the past year, all as a result of COVID-19. Dr. Fauci needs to be held accountable. He has a lot of answers to give. He needs to stop lying. There needs to be an investigation, and China needs
2: to pay. The media loves to say that, uh, you know, when Trump, they, they felt Trump was mishandling COVID, and they said Trump's got blood on his hands. I wonder if they're ever going to say Fauci's got blood on his hands.
0: They certainly They certainly should, because if, in fact, the truth comes out as it appears it is, then, yes, Dr. Fauci does have blood on his hands. And President Trump was right all along.
2: I want to, uh, speaking of President Trump, I've got to transition to this article uh, that we uh, had at Just the News today. It was a very interesting article about possible scenarios for Trump to come back. Uh, into office scenarios for an early Trump return, the feasible, the far-fetched and the fantasy, some thinking he might be reinstated in August. I'm not quite sure about that exactly. That, I don't see that happening. But the, maybe running for speaker. Uh, in, in other words, he's got to run for the House first. Um, and then, of course, the run in 2024, potentially. What, what's, your, uh, what's your sense what are, on some of those scenarios? What would you like to see?
0: Well, you know, it's no secret that I'm one of the biggest supporters of President Trump, and I proudly say it all the time. I would love to see him, uh, whether it's Speaker of the House through running for Congress or or Republican uh, majority in 22, uh, electing him as Speaker of the House. I'm all happy for that because I would love to see him bring my articles of impeachment on Joe Biden to the floor and let's get the job done and impeach Joe Biden And then we can follow up with Kamala Harris next. And then we could move uh, Donald J. Trump right back in the White House where he where I believe he belongs. And then, of course, I'm I'm all for him running for president again in 2024. I completely support him. I support his policies. I think that he's been the best president of my lifetime and I would absolutely love to see him back in the White House.
2: As we wrap up here, I want to ask you one last question about uh, some of these. uh, It's Pride Month, whatever, you know, don't get me started on Pride Month, but, uh, you know, the LGBT Pride Month. I know uh, you are backing a bill, along with others, to block uh, embassies from flying the LGBTQ and the Black Lives Matter. Uh, banners. Uh, I want to get your take on this because this, this LGBT pride stuff, you know, everything. Now, the other day I was at my, like I, I saw a friend who had like a play, a play set for their two-year-old with like, f- uh, I don't know, like the LGBT flag flying on the play set. What's going on here in America?
0: I don't know. I've never understood it. I don't understand why what people do sexually is ever their identity. I think that's really odd because I think that's part of your private personal life. So I don't know why everyone wants to represent themselves over something like that. It's pretty gross, in my opinion. And as far as the flag flying over our embassies or government buildings, the only flag that should ever be flown is the beautiful stars and stripes, and that's old glory, our American flag. No other flag should be shown because our American flag represents every single American, no matter who you are or what your identity is. That's what that American flag is for, and we need to take pride in that flag and no other flag.
2: I got 30 seconds or so. How are you doing with all the attacks that come your way? They come every day, uh, multiple times a day. How How do you fend them off? What do you do? What's the strategy, Congresswoman?
0: You know, thank you for asking, David. You know what I do? I stay true to myself and the whole reason why I ran for Congress, and that is to save America and stop socialism. The Democrat Party is now the National Socialist Party, and they are fully intent on tearing down our way of life, our American freedoms, and our individual liberties. And so I'm focused on that, making sure that we have a future for all of our children in the beautiful America that we know and love.
2: Marjorie Taylor Greene, great to have you back on the show. Thanks so much for being here.
0: Thank you, David, happy to be here.
2: All right, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, MTG. You know, media loves to talk about AOC. When it comes to MTG, they got a lot of negative things to say about her, but you know what? She resonates, don't underestimate her. The media, they underestimated Trump,
0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
2: Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. The Christians are coming. The Christians are coming. Don't freak out, liberals. Don't freak out. Uh, We're talking about the Road to Majority Conference 2021, uh, the Faith and Freedom Coalition, putting that conference on june in uh, mid-june june 17th to 21st uh we want to talk more about that that's gonna be down in florida big deal ralph reed is with us founder and chairman of faith and freedom coalition ralph great to have you back on the show sir
1: thank you david always a pleasure
2: well talk to us about the event this is a big deal shaping up to be uh, extremely consequential
1: you know, it's gonna be the biggest road to majority ever. Um, we, uh, we've we already sold out uh, the gala where uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida is gonna be our keynote and Newt Gingrich will receive our Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, we've already got over 2,200 people registered with over a week to go. And I think we're gonna end up somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 people. It's gonna be the biggest ever. Uh, we've got everybody from, um, you know, Governor DeSantis, to uh, Newt, to uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, who's gonna receive our Antonin Scalia uh, 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 Justice Award in honor of him helping to usher through both Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, uh, the latter as Judiciary Committee Chairman, um, and uh, and many, many others, Leo Terrell, Jeanine Perreault, uh of Fox News, uh, Senators uh, Josh Hawley, Rick Scott, Uh, Tom Cotton, uh, so many, I I can't name them all, numerous members of Congress, governors, uh, community organizers, African American and Hispanic pastors. Uh, It's gonna be really extraordinary.
2: Ralph, uh, what's the lay of the land uh, post-Trump as it relates to the temperature of the uh, cultural conservative crowd that you're attracting? What's the the heartbeat? What what are they feeling post-Trump? Uh, where are they as it relates to this administration and and, and where where does that position uh, Faith and Freedom Coalition?
1: Well, you know, as you know, the, the president, the former president, Donald Trump is a friend of mine and he's yep. a friend of our organization and he's a friend of our movement. Uh, he's appeared at Road to Majority six times, uh, three times as president, three times as a candidate or private citizen. He is invited this year. Uh, he's always welcome. Uh, we're extremely grateful to him uh, for his policies, uh, for the things that he did, keeping his promise on judges, on moving the embassy to Jerusalem, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, doing all the things that he did to defend life. We're very grateful for that. Um, and he, he is going to be someone who's going to have a special place in our heart, uh, uh, really, for as long as he wants to participate for that reason. And uh, But we were here before the Trump presidency, and we'll be here for a long time after. Uh, we're not tied to any single personality. You know, you hear out there, David, they accuse Bible-believing evangelicals of being a part of a cult of personality. And uh, I suppose we are, but it's not the personality or the person they think. Uh, We worship only one person, and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he's in whom we put our hope. And politicians come and go. So we're focused on 2022 like a laser beam, uh, getting a majority back in the Senate, getting a majority back in the House, and putting a screeching halt to this radical left-wing progressive agenda that is currently barreling down the tracks in, uh, in Washington. That's gonna be the focus of the conference.
2: Ralph, I wanna get your take on an NPR headline, and it's one of many headlines that are out there, about the religiosity of America. How is the GOP adjusting to a less religious America? We know this is true, it is a less religious America than, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and for sure, even more than that. So what's the what's the game plan there? Because how does the pie work? How do the numbers work? If the pie is smaller, then you've got to be have more fervency within the pie. How does that work exactly?
1: Well, first of all, I think uh, if I can put on my uh, historian's hat for a second, you have to remember that um, church affiliation and or attendance Uh, religious affiliation, religiosity in a sociological sense, uh, doesn't move in a straight trend line, either up or down. It really has moved throughout American history in a series of cycles. And so there are times when it ebbs and flows. For example, (laughs) church attendance was very low in the pre-colonial period in American history. Then you had the First Great Awakening, the American Revolution, and it rose, and there was a great deal of religious fervor. Then it fell again, then the temperance movement, the suffragist movement, the second and third great awakenings caused church membership to skyrocket. Then it fell again in the early 20th century, and particularly during the uh, Great Depression, and then rose again after World War II, peaking roughly in the 1960s. So I'm not overly concerned about it. I have great confidence in the sovereignty of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, we need a spiritual renewal. In the short term, politically, what we need to do is make sure that our agenda is relevant to every American, even those who don't share our religious beliefs. So when we work on things, for example, like combating human trafficking, criminal justice reform, expanding the child tax credit, uh, school choice, You you don't have to be a Bible-believing evangelical Christian to support those public policies. Our public policy agenda, David, is a mainstream agenda that appeals to tens of millions of Americans who may not hold to our theological beliefs, but they do share our mainstream policy views. And I would just quickly add one other thing. You know, they don't like to talk about this. But yes, it is true that the younger generation, the Gen Xers and the post-millennials, tend to be less religious and don't attend church, but they are more pro-life. They believe Roe v. Wade was a moral failure. They believe the taking of innocent human life in, in a mother's womb it is, is a failure and is damaging to everyone, not just the child and the mother, but society. So, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag Because on the one hand, we're told, well, you know, you guys are dinosaurs. And then on the other hand, the younger voters are more pro-life than the baby boomers were. So Mm -hmm. I'm very optimistic about the future.
2: Ralph Reed, always great to have you on. Really appreciate it. Uh, And good luck with the event coming up uh, later this month.
1: Thanks so much, David.
2: All right, Uh, Ralph Reed, known him for a very long time. Uh, But I tell you what, uh, I could pick his brain all day. Uh, he, he's just got a wealth of information. You heard the historical side. We haven't even gotten into the analytical data side. <laughs> That'll blow your mind for sure. Uh, Any, I appreciate Ralph. All right, when we come back, uh, Teresa Mole will be here. She's the editor of Gunpowder Magazine, a big ruling by a district judge in California about assault weapons. Is the ban going to be finally lifted after 30-plus years? We'll talk about it in a moment. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Hey, uh, a frequent guest on this show, Alan West, uh, has announced that he is resigning as uh, chairman, head of the Texas GOP party, uh, which is very interesting to us because we think, hmm, what could that mean exactly? Because he's very popular down in Texas within the Republican Party, especially Look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that most likely his next move, he hasn't said this officially, but most likely his next move will be to run for governor. We have asked him about it on the show. He said he hadn't made a decision yet. He was thinking about it. Well, if you're going to step down uh, from leading the Texas Republicans, uh, you wouldn't do that if you weren't thinking about something else. And we think that something else clearly is a run for governor. We should mention that Donald Trump has come out and endorsed The current Texas governor, Greg Abbott, uh, and it was a a pretty solid endorsement. We've had Rick Green on this show uh, from PatriotAcademy.com. Rick Green saying, why in the world would Trump endorse Abbott? So this is going to be interesting. We could be seeing an Alan West-versus. Greg Abbott situation in Texas. Hey, Madison, we got to cover that. We're going to cover that. Madison, are we, Madison says we're going to cover. If Madison says we're going to cover, we're covering it. All right, uh, let's go to something else we're covering today. Uh, this is in the news at JTN. I love saying JTN. It's so hip and cool. Not really. Uh, f- the federal judge striking down California's long-standing assault rifle ban as unconstitutional. Whoa, that is a big deal. That's been in place for like ever, ever since I was bar mitzvahed. Let's uh, check in with, uh, I'm not going to tell you the date on that. Let's check in with Teresa Moll, the editor of Gunpowder Magazine, back with us on the show. Teresa, great to have you back. Great to be
5: here. Yeah, and you're right about that assault so-called assault weapons ban it's been in place in california for thirty two years now but judge benitez just wrote a really thorough ninety four page long decision that i recommend all of your viewers read it's linked on our website at gunpowermagazine.com and in this decision he basically dismantles every piece of he calls it media hyperbole surrounding guns i call it media propaganda but um... we've been letting them get away with this language for far too long and in this decision uh, judge Benitez notes that the very term assault weapon is a misnomer. He says that you could very just as easily call these types of guns anti-crime guns, which I love that. Um, this The term assault weapon is just uh, a label that anti-gun people apply to guns that they think look scary and that they'd like to see banned regardless of how they function. And in this decision, the judge points out that these types of firearms are not bazookas, they're not howitzers, they're not machine guns, mm-hmm. they are average guns used by average people for average purposes. And he goes into great detail about how these types of weapons function. And it's a really great read. It almost sounds like it was written by a gunsmith or a gun expert and not by a senior federal judge, which is really refreshing. Um, He proves his point with data and um, great knowledge and detail. You contrast that with uh, Joe Biden's pick to head the ATF, David Chipman, he would not even, he refused to issue, to give a definition of assault weapon whenever he was being questioned by the Senate recently. And um, he's been saying that AR-15s are quote-unquote particularly lethal. And if you read this decision by this very knowledgeable, thorough judge using uh, data statistics from our own federal government, you know that that's blatantly false. And this is kind of a drop the mic moment for the Second Amendment uh, moving mm-hmm. forward. It's really stop this assault on assault weapons, so-called assault weapons, because as we know, they could... They're
2: anti-crime guns. That's what they are. Yeah, no, for sure. It is a drop the mic moment. It really took, I, did, I wonder if it took a lot of people by surprise. He's a he's a former uh, judge, or excuse me, he's a judge uh, put in there by former President Bush uh, back in the day. Um, Teresa, as I look at some statistics here, he also talked about how in California, murder by knife occurs seven times more often than murder by rifle. He says 252 people were killed uh, since 2019 by a murder with a knife compared to, I guess, tw- 24 or so with a, with a rifle. So he's, he's saying the statistics there just don't uh, make make sense as to why this should be banned.
5: Right, so the media just puts out these talking points, tells us that we have this mass shooting problem. That tells us that assault weapons are super evil and that's just not the case and he is going to be really hard for anti-gun people to argue with because like I said he does use all of this data and a lot of it is coming from the DOJ from the FBI from our own government that is you know the sacred um, the sacred entity for the left for all of these anti-gun people so um, yeah he notes that not only in California, but across the country, rifles are not the problem. You are more likely to be killed by a knife by somebody's hand or fist than you are by a rifle. Uh, he also points out how valuable these types of firearms are in uh self-defense and in defense of the home and these guns are also extremely popular he notes that there are twice as many ar-15s in america as there are ford f-150s that's our nation's most popular vehicle so you think of the millions and millions of ar-15s we have you'd think that our country the streets would just be running with blood constantly and that's simply not the case um So people are using these guns responsibly, and this judge proves that.
2: Well, you know, we would love to have Gavin Newsom on the show to react to this, but I think he needs smelling salts uh, to revive him uh, from the floor after that. He is not happy. The liberals in California are not happy. And even the liberals that, that aren't aren't happy, let's be honest, many of them are probably moving out of California anyhow to Florida and Texas. Uh, who knows if they're trying to mess up the politics there. Uh, but but what do you make of where this goes? Because this is a U.S. district judge, which means th- this isn't over quite yet. There'll be an appeal process here, clearly. Right.
5: So this ruling does not change the law in California. Right. This judge has issued which means that there's there will be an appeal process, and the attorney general has said already that he is, of course, intending to appeal this. So this is going to work its way through the courts. So it's going to the Ninth Circuit, the infamous Ninth Circuit next, but in recent years, through Trump appointees, that circuit court has actually become a little bit more conservative. They recently upheld this, Judge Benitez's, um, he overturned the ban on quote-unquote, high-capacity magazines that California has. So they actually approve that. That's also working its way through the courts. But we have seen positive things coming out of the Ninth Circuit. And if this were to make it the whole way to the U.S. Supreme Court, that would be a game-changer for the Second Amendment and for the gun rights of all Americans. So yeah. we hope that
2: happens. 30 seconds or so. But just to confirm, we've had you on the show before. I just want people to understand, the AR-15 is the most popular rifle in America. It is, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so go ahead.
5: Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I, again, encourage people to read this decision because it points out how these guns do not function any differently from other guns that are legal and how people have been using these in other states across the nation responsibly um, for hunting, for self-defense and the right to do so has been held up in other Supreme Court decisions. So Mm -hmm. the fact that California's insisting on doing it is why this judge ruled it unconstitutional, and he backs it up with a lot of great information. So for people should check that
2: out for sure. Teresa Ball, editor of Gunpowder Magazine, thanks so much for being here. Great insight.
5: Pleasure.
2: Thank you. All right, love having Teresa on. Uh, by the way, I remember Obama saying back in two thousand eight, remember he was running for president? He says, "Oh, those conservatives—they cling to their guns and religion." Yeah, take a while. Guess why conservatives cling to their guns and religion? Because they believe progressives are coming for them. Duh. Did I say the? Back in a moment.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild, conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Joe Biden and abortion. He's Catholic, but he is uh, not pro-life, uh, even though the Catholic Church is pro-life. Anyhow, we've discussed that on this show. Uh, but here's the latest. I want to show you some uh, uh, language from the Hyde Amendment. Uh, th- let me read this first. This is in the uh, every budget since 1977. None of the funds contained in this act, the budget, shall be used to perform abortions except where the life of the mother would be endangered if the fetus were carried to term. That has been in the budget for a very long time. What is it, 80, 90, about 45 years or so, roughly. Anyhow, uh, Joe Biden doesn't have it in his budget. Uh, this go round in 2022. Let's get more on that from Mallory Quigley, the VP of Communications for SBA List. This is B. Anthony List. Mallory, good to have you on the show.
3: Thanks so much, David.
2: Right, I guess we shouldn't be surprised, though it's pretty sad uh, that Joe Biden, a Catholic, wouldn't have this in uh, the budget. But once again, uh, he's got all sorts of issues as it relates to uh, him and the Catholic Church. So so what's the latest here?
3: Yeah, this is perhaps one of the m- most dramatic uh, examples thus far of how pro-abortion this administration is governing, and also how far Joe Biden has come from his previous pro-life stance. Like you said, the Hyde Amendment, this is long-time bipartisan policy. He himself wrote to a constituent in the 70s that, of course, taxpayers should not be forced to be complicit in abortion um, by by their tax money. And um, this is a position that he has flip-flopped on over the years. And in 2020, um, during the uh, Democratic primary, having that final, uh, you know, that final stand where he said that he is completely um, backtracking on the Hyde Amendment and now stands with the Democratic Party and the abortion lobby in seeking to force taxpayers to pay for abortions throughout all nine months of pregnancy for any reason. Um, And this is a a total uh, flip from, you know, when he started in politics and, uh, like you've pointed out, is completely out of step with his professed Catholic faith. And of course, it's very disturbing, uh, but this is not the first uh, step that they've taken. Uh, One of his very first actions in office was to get rid of the global Protect Life policy a.k.a. the Mexico City policy, Mm -hmm. which stopped our taxpayer dollars from going to fund abortion businesses overseas. So this is par for the course at this
2: point. Right. So let's put up a headline here, uh, and it's a question we have as well. Well, Why did Biden uh, leave the anti-abortion, that's how they call it, the anti-abortion Hyde Amendment, off his budget request? So is this pretty much a progressives are running the deal?
3: Absolutely. This has been, um, the, the Hyde Amendment has been in the the target of the abortion lobby for years now. They want to increase the taxpayer money that they are getting um, through the federal government. And this is something that they've been lobbying very hard. Not only Hyde, but it's actually a whole series of budget uh, riders that are added on in the appropriations process. And if you just take a look at Planned Parenthood social media, that is where they are, uh, you know, it's one obvious way where they're um, taking aim at. The hyde amendment the helms amendment the weldon amendment there's more than a dozen of these pro-life riders that have been added uh in in the appropriations process over the last few decades to keep taxpayers out mm-hmm. of the abortion businesses protect our conscience rights mm-hmm. uh and you know this is a, a campaign promise that he made to the abortion lobby which of course funneled millions of dollars into electing this president uh, and vice president.
2: So, so, Mallory, how does this get stopped, in essence? I mean, w- are Republicans going to have any sort of backbone or spine to do anything about it? Can they do anything about it? What's your sense uh, uh, on this in, in terms of how this goes forward and whether or not this actually be is literally stripped out of the budget?
3: Right. Well, Congress has the purse strings. What we are looking at in the, in the Graphics is the the budget that the administration put forward. That's their wish list. That's what they want. But now it goes into an appropriations battle that it's going to be hammered out in different committees in the House and the Senate. So we are hoping that our pro-life congressional allies who know what a toxic this issue is for their pro-abortion Democratic colleagues, that they're going to go to the mattresses to fight um, not only on Hyde, but on the Weldon, Helms, uh, Dornan amendments, et cetera, uh, things that are sort of in the Hyde legacy. Uh, this is really an unpopular issue for pro-abortion Democrats, and we're hoping that we can make the case to especially Democrats that are in purple and red states, purple and red districts, that it is not only um, a morally a moral wrong for them to force Americans to pay for abortion, but that it's politically not in their interest to push through a budget that doesn't include pro-life protections such as the Hyde Amendment.
2: Right. So you mentioned those purple and red uh, districts, uh, which makes me think of pro-life Democrats. And, uh, boy, they, they become kind of like uh, almost extinct. What What's the yes. – what are the numbers in the House? I mean, can you get a handful – Pelosi's got a very tight margin there. And I know it goes to the appropriations committees and, and into the subcommittee and committee levels. but where are pro-life Democrats on this and are there enough to possibly uh, make a difference and especially in the house?
3: Yeah. Yes, you know, we lost Dan Lipinski uh, last year. Um, Mm -hmm. He's no longer in Congress. He was the last very strong pro-life Democrat. There are maybe two or three others who still like to identify themselves as pro-life but don't always vote that way. Um, Where we think we may have some leverage is a handful of pro abortion um, Representatives that are coming from very pro-life districts, so we're going to need to make the case to them politically, because we can't appeal to their, you know, their hearts in this instance. Their hearts have been closed. Although of course we always pray for conversion, but um, we want to make the case to them politically that this is just not smart. And uh, you know, you take a look at the polling; it's not hard. Slate has had um, numerous articles on this. The polling is just very clearly on the pro-life side. In terms of people not wanting to be complicit, even if they describe themselves as pro choice and maybe support abortion rights, but don't want to pay for it out of their pocketbooks. So yeah. that's the argument that we'll be making.
2: Mallory Quigley, really appreciate your time, uh, VP of Communications at SBA List. Thanks for being here, Mallory.
3: Thanks, David. It's my
2: pleasure. All right. They've been doing uh, really important work for a very long time. You know, uh, Joe Biden calls himself the the unifier in chief. He loves to talk about bringing the country together. And then all of a sudden, boom, the Hyde Amendment language left out of the budget. Remember, left out of the budget for the first time in over 45 years. So why are you going to throw stuff like that around uh, when you're trying to unify the country? That is not the way to unify the country. Uh, And by the way, speaking about unifying the country, Can I talk about the infrastructure bill for like 15 seconds? If you're going to unify the country, why in the world would Biden and the White House not just agree to a $750 billion or so infrastructure bill, a smaller scale, one, and say, hey, we did something to unify the country? No, they want the whole kit and caboodle. They want it all. Back in a moment.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
2: back to the water cooler everybody time for boom the last sip we got a culture war in america have you heard they, by the way they always said the culture war was uh, not going to last they always talked about oh no more culture war it's done no, it's never done the culture war never ends and now not only do we have a burger war we have a cultural burger war i guess so look at this headline uh there it is from the hill burger king <clears throat> excuse me i'm all choked up declaring a war on Chick-fil-A over LGBTQ plus rights and chicken sandwiches. Basically, uh, Burger King says they're going to donate up to a quarter of a million dollars of the proceeds of their new premium chicken sandwich called the Chick-King, <laughs> that's hilarious, to the human rights campaign. So for, for every uh, chicken that they sell, 40 cents <clears throat> is going to go, to their cause, and um, basically it's interesting because as I look here in their tweet, um, what's interesting is they're doing this during LGBT Pride Month, and of course uh, Chick-fil-A has come under a lot of criticism for uh, many folks believing that they are like Anti gay and all of this type of stuff, which uh, is just ridiculous. But the point is, is that Chick fil A is kind of wading weight, into the culture wars there with that. Uh, and let, let me say a couple things about this. Uh, n- number one, uh, look, can, can we stop making everything political? You know, like now I got go to go, I think about Burger King and, you know, okay, I want a chicken burger and then all of a sudden, I'm, or ch- chicken, whatever it's called, the cha ching, whatever. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, uh, maybe I don't want it because 40 cents of that is going to human rights campaign. It's kind of like basketball and sports and politics. It's just driving me absolutely up a wall. I got to tell you, I, I don't want politics in my sports. I don't want politics in my burger. Okay. And by the way, human rights campaign, let's be clear. Hold on for a second. 40% of that money is going to human Rights Campaign. Uh, what else is human rights campaign doing with that money other than supporting LGBT rights? I mean, that may be bad enough for conservatives, but how do I know that my 40, 40 cents is going towards that? I don't know where any, which, where's the accountability in that? Anyhow, it's driving me insane. Oh, and let me just point out, uh, Burger King, you want to know what their net, take a guess what their net profit was uh, in 2020. Five, roughly $5 billion, Burger King, good for them. Guess what Chick-fil-A was? Ten billion dollars. Actually, it was over $10 billion. So Chick-fil-A winning. And oh, by the way, did I mention something? chick fil A's not open on Sunday. Remember? So they're doing that six days a week, 10 billion plus. Burger King's doing 5 billion in seven days. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the water cooler. Just making sure I'm hosting this show. It's the water cooler, right? Anna Perez here. This is the water cooler, right?
6: I think so think
2: you, so. You can't confirm.
6: Cannot confirm. But
2: cannot deny. Exactly. All right, well, good. And uh, good to uh, see you. Good to see you. As always, I like how we just, oh, we always get out of the way. Yeah. Good to see you. And like, but it's I feel like, I mean, it's the what thing I, to do, yeah. It's the what thing it's to the do? It's
6: the polite thing to it do. It is the polite yeah. thing
2: to do. So, so, New Hampshire, what are they doing in New Hampshire?
6: So, New Hampshire, uh, mm-hmm. Republicans are pushing for a bill that they just approved uh, that would actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, include provisions that would prohibit teachers from teaching divisive concepts and this means systemic racism or you know sexism or any theories regarding critical race theory things like that mm-hmm. um, we have yet to see whether or not kristen who knew the governor will sign this bill but he's getting a lot of pressure from democrats and the aclu who are calling this a racist gag rule mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because you know we've talked about this concept a lot um before and You know what I think a lot of conservatives are seeing this less as and and like we talked about you know they don't like to take legislative action on anything really but um, in this matter they see it more as a preemptive measure because what we're seeing in other schools like the school district in Minnesota that we spoke about a few weeks ago um, where they not only allowed teachers to teach um, BLM matters things like that that's one that's one thing to do but not only did they do that but Mm -hmm. they made it government speech meaning that you know as we discussed it would be exempt from any um, you couldn't you couldn't speak against it. It would be actual something that the school would adopt. So it's something that would be a part of their ingrained in their curriculum. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole new level of not being able to you know speak against something. So yeah. that to me is more of a gag rule than what's happening here in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. So again, I do think it's more of a preemptive measure. But it'll be interesting to see whether or not Chris Sununu signs it.
2: Yeah. Any sense of whether because um, his politics? I mean, he's conservative, but he's not like like crazy to the right conservatives.
6: So. Right. And I, you know, at this point, it's, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he's pressured by the ACLU and Democrats mm-hmm. to sign this. Um, you know, New Hampshire is not a super conservative state. So mm-hmm. that might be, I mean, although they do have a GOP controlled Senate, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what action he decides to take because again, it is a divisive issue. You know, yeah. it does definitely control speech in the classroom. And that's something that not a lot of people like to go for, you know, it, conservative it's, and Democrats. Yeah,
2: for sure, and it's really sad we even have to have have to do this, like you said, a preemptive exactly. measures for sure. All right, yeah, Anna, thanks for thanks for being here on the water cooler. Thanks
6: for having me on the water cooler. On the
2: water cooler. Now we can confirm <laughs> it is a water cooler. All right, tomorrow on the show, uh, Stephen Miller is going to be here. Hey, Marjorie Taylor Greene today. Stephen Miller, <laughs> this is a hot show. Uh, also, what was this? Uh, Manny Miranda, also former Council to Majority Leader Bill Frist. Liz Harrington will be here. Oh my goodness, I mean, this is Madison. This is a show. And Rick Greene uh, will also be here. I can't wait. I better get some flavor.
1: Across California, school food professionals are using their skills to develop recipes that incorporate fresher ingredients and more scratch cooking. Learn how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office.